You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We have been unpacking the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a what. He's a who. And he's not some force. He is a person. The Bible says very clearly that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, but there is just one God, one God of all creation, one God of the galaxy, one God of the universe. There's one God and one God alone. But he is manifest and known in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, we've been kind of diving into who is the Holy Spirit, his purpose in leading a person to Jesus, to salvation, and his power in us who are followers of Christ to live for Jesus. So what we're going to do today, however, is is geared a little bit uh, more on application in an area of spiritual gifts. We've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, we've just been kind of looking at who the Holy Spirit is, but now in the next three weeks, we're going to look at his power. And uh, I want you to know this, first of all, is that the New Testament is primarily written to Christians. So when you read the New Testament, if you are a Christian, it is alive to you, and it speaks to you. It's written for you, and it's been preserved for you, and it's been written to believers. Uh, If you're not a Christian, the New Testament can be hard to follow. The Bible can be hard to follow. Uh, That's because it was written to new Christians, instructing them on how to operate and know about God and to know how God moves in our life. So today we're going to talk about a specific area for Christians, all right? If you're not a Christian and you're here today, I'm glad you're here. And I want today, hopefully, to open up your eyes to, to God's wonderful love and plan for your life and that he has a purpose and design for your life. Uh, but don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed by the, by the awkwardness of this discussion today because over the next few weeks, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, you'll understand as we get through today. Now, today I want to talk and uh, kick off with Acts chapter 1, verse 4. This is the last day that the disciples get to see Jesus. And here it is right here. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this. It says, On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift. Everybody say the gift. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. For he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, what I'm talking about, he says, you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now, we just saw that video, that baptism video. And baptism means immersion. It means dunked, soaked. It means drenched. It means immersed in water. Water baptism is Holy Spirit baptism is an immersion or a soaking or a drenching in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about what that means over the next couple of weeks, okay? But this is what he says. Move up to verse 8. Later in the conversation, Jesus says this. Very popular verse we've uh, preached on before, but I want to kick off here. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, all right? When the Holy Spirit falls on you, when you are drenched in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And he says, as a result of this power, he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is this power? This power, the word there is the, I know I'm going to give you some Greek words over the next few weeks, and that's important because we can't define the Bible with with Webster's Dictionary, okay? These are specific words that mean sometimes things that our translations don't uh, really clarify. So the word power there is the word dunamis. Have you ever heard of the word dynamite? It's where we get the word dynamite from. In fact, um, this is dynamite. (laughs) Here, catch. (laughs) It's one for everybody. No, actually, it's not dynamite. It's flares. But I've always loved flares because it looks like dynamite, doesn't it? It's like, you know, let's see. Uh, I was going to joke about lightning, but I'm not. 
or will I? You never know. I actually lit a piece, uh, a flare in a sermon illustration when I was a youth pastor. And let's just say we had to replace the carpet. Uh, we should have replaced the carpet. Because, you know, I, I did one of these. I lit it, and I was speaking. It was like, you know, I'm like, okay. So anyhow, I'm trying to preach like this, you know, with it, like, because it was sparking everywhere. And, you know, it was burning the carpet. It didn't start a fire. A lot of smoke, though. A lot of smoke. But let's just uh, say that these flares are dynamite. Now, this is what Jesus says. He says that when you receive this dynamite, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power in your hands to do things you never imagined, like tell the world about me. Okay? Now, guys, listen. Some of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we've talked about this before, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are deposited with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you're baptized into the Spirit of God. It is, it is the Spirit of God that indwells and empowers the believer's life to know God and to live for God. And everything that a Christian needs has been planted and departed and posited in you to walk a life unto God. And that's called the Holy Spirit. He's inside of you. But here's the thing. We've been given this Holy Spirit and he's dynamite. He's, he's dunamis. But here's what we never do. We never light it up. We never light it up. Now, I'm not going to light it up. But we never light it up. So we spend our whole life with this power, with this dunamis, with this Holy Spirit gift. And as a result, uh, we're not the light we should be. We're not moving in the power that we have been given. Uh, we're not you know, uh, working and moving in the gifts that that power enables us to have. And imagine if, if Christians worldwide, if believers, if just the believers in this room lit it up, you've got the dunamis, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the power, the dynamite of God inside of you. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this power. We're going to talk about what it means for us. In fact, the Holy Spirit gives you power in several areas. We're just going to fly over and focus on one today. Uh, The Holy Spirit gives you power, first of all, of salvation. The Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. We've talked about this. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to walk in know God's will. John 14 says that the Holy Spirit teaches you, counsels you, and guides you. The Holy Spirit gives you power uh, to give strength when we are weak. 2 Corinthians says that when we are weak, he is strong, and it's through our weakness that he is even made stronger. The Holy Spirit is our strength in times of sorrow and our encouragement in times of frustration and confusion. He is that power. And as we read in that verse, the Holy Spirit is also the power to share Christ boldly. You don't have to be nervous. Man, just light it up. Light up the power that you've been given. The Holy Spirit gives you power to live a holy life, not just a life where you're struggling, squeaking through, and you're addicted to your same habits, and you're struggling with the same sin all the time, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to walk in a new life through the power, through the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Here's the last one I want to talk about today, and that is the Holy Spirit gives you power to make a difference with spiritual gifts, okay? The Holy Spirit empowers us with supernatural and natural gifts. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all right? And it gets a little strange for some of you uh, because some of this you've maybe never heard of or you've only heard about. Uh, so, But hang in, okay? We're going to take a look at what the Bible says. Don't be afraid of the Bible. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. Now, about the gifts of the spirits, uh, about the gifts of the spirit, brother and sister, uh, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. You know what an ignorant person is? It's someone who just doesn't know, okay? Here's what Paul is saying. He says, I don't want you to be an ignorant person 
I don't want you to be uninformed when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? He wants us to know about him. In fact, he explains it this way. He says, you need to know this. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. I mean, when you weren't living for God, man, you were led in a direction that was so far from God. He says, and these, these idols uh, were, are lifeless. They're mute. They, they don't speak. They're not alive. They're, but you're led deceptively, he says, in that direction. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he says this. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he says, let me give you an example. You, you were ignorant of Jesus one day. There was a time when you were ignorant of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit led you to a knowledge of Jesus so that you wouldn't be ignorant of Jesus. It was through the Spirit that you became knowledgeable of Christ. Now, just as you became knowledgeable of Christ through the Spirit, he says, now I want you to be informed and enlightened by the Spirit to these gifts, to the dunamis, like lightning, like this dynamite, plug it in, turn it on, light it up. He says this, verse four, he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them, all right? The same Holy Spirit is responsible for all of these spiritual gifts. He says, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. He says there's different kinds of gifts, there's different kinds of service, and there's different kinds of working. All of them are given by the Holy Spirit for the common good. Some translations will say for the church because he's talking to the church and the common good here is a reference to where it fits in the body of Christ where you are plugged in at, all right? So this isn't just talking about for the common good of the world. He's specifically talking about for the common good of the local church that you're connected to. I often tell you this, this letter, Corinthians, and we're gonna read Romans here in a minute, those letters were written to churches, okay? Some people have this idea that they don't need church, that they can just have church at their bed or church at the golf course or church on their back patio or church at Starbucks. Uh, The word church means assembly. It means to gather together. You cannot have church alone. You can meet with God alone anywhere, but you cannot have church. You cannot be the church until you assemble together with the purpose of seeking God's face and his plan for the kingdom. That's the design of the church and assembling together. And what we're going to find is that these gifts that he gives are given for the church. All right. And from the church, they pour out into the world. All right. So let's move on. He says, uh, we've been given all of us, each of us. Now look, each one The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Some translations say each person is given. Everyone is given one of these gifts by the Spirit for the common good. Everyone is given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit for kingdom work to be used in, launched out, and built up in the local church. Guys, listen, you, if you are a follower of Christ, have a spiritual gift today and at life teams this week, you're going to find out what it is. Okay. Today you're going to get an introduction to it, but you will find out what it is in life teams. If you don't go to life teams, you need to go to this one. Okay. Uh, this is a great time for you to get plugged in, to get involved in life teams. First Peter four ten says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. He says, whatever gift you have been given, whatever it is, okay? I don't know what your gift is, and you're going to maybe even find out right now here in just a second. You'll definitely find out 
in your life, team. But guys, listen, you have a gift, and we are told each one should use whatever gift he is in its various forms he has received to serve others. Now, they're talking about working and serving in the local body of Christ. So this is, a, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to the church about how we minister to each other and launch out into the world. This is a very significant and important gift that the Holy Spirit is imparting to those that will have ears to hear. Don't be ignorant today. Listen to the dunamis of the Holy Spirit in this area. These gifts are important to understanding your place in the body of Christ and how you share the hope of love, the hope and love of God to others. Here's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. Um, I break them into four groups. Uh, They're all by the same spirit. The first group is the motivation gifts. Those are known as the spiritual gifts that we're going to talk about today. Uh, These are the gifts working in us, and you see these every day, okay? Then there are the manifestation gifts. I like to call those the supernatural gifts, and these are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are the controversial ones. We're going to dive into those next week. Don't miss next week. Bring somebody who thinks church people are crazy. They're going to love next week, all right? Seriously, just because we're talking about tongues next uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, don't not bring somebody. This will bring a tremendous amount of clarity on this issue to those people that think Christians are crazy people. So manifestation gifts uh, or the supernatural gifts. The third category is the ministry gifts. These are spiritual gift roles. That'd be pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, apostle, the leadership, missionaries. We're going to talk about that group. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit given by God through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the fourth is one I added, which is uh, mastery gifts. And those would be the skill gifts. These are the things that you are good at. These are the things that you uh, are bent or geared towards. And these are things that you can use for God or not for God. But if you're a Christian, you're designed and called and challenged to use them for God with no debate about it, all right? But these natural gifts, these skill gifts are ones that even you can see in a non-Christian, all right? So those are the four categories, motivation gifts, manifestation gifts, the ministry gifts, and the mastery gifts. Today, I want to focus on and look at the motivational gifts, okay? And just so that you're not misunderstood about what the gifts of the Spirit are, um, it's not this. Take a look at this video. Uh, This is not what the gifts of the Spirit are. Do I play hard? Yeah. Do I win? Usually. My name is Charlie Parker. My spiritual gift is dodgeball. When you ask Michael Jordan how he got to where he is right now, he'd say he practiced, practiced, practiced. Hey, Charlie, somebody called for you. He might say some other things, but the main thing would be practice. And that's what I do. I practice. I practice at home. I practice at work. I practice at school. I practice when people aren't looking and when people are looking. Hey, Charlie, I have an apple for you. Here, catch. And that's what makes me unique. Key to being a good dodgeball player is to be agile, like a spider monkey. Ironically, that's our team name. One of my moves is called the wing duck and the conspiracy theory. God gave some people the gift of compassion, some people the gift of love. He gave me the gift of dodgeball, and I'm going to use that unto him. Dodgeball. Do outstanding deeds. Go everywhere. Be all. Dodgeball. Hey, listen, Charlie, man. Lots of paper here. Got a stapler? The worst place to get hit is not the head, but the heart. Some people and girls don't understand the meaning of competition. I'm not sorry. caught that last part he was he was saying he took his girlfriend out and he's not sorry he says the worst place to get hit is not the head but the heart 
And he goes, and some, he says, some people like girls don't understand competition. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. That is not the kind of spiritual gifts that the motivational gifts are talking about. All right. This is, some of you guys said, that was like right over your head, the whole thing. I thought that was hilarious. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts that are primarily mentioned in Romans chapter 12. So let's check out Romans chapter 12, verse 3. We see them talked about. Verse 3 says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Rome. He says, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by faith, by the faith God has given you. First of all, he's about to say you are given gifts. You are given supernatural spiritual gifts. But before he says that, he wants you to realize, and to realize this, he wants you to know that you're not the it boy. You're not the it girl. You're not the man of power for the hour. You're not, you need, you're not who you think you are. He says you're not the bag of chips. You haven't arrived. You're not the fixture. You ever known somebody who's just really talented or really gifted and they, they act like they are? You know, they really are just kind of arrogant and prideful, and they're, they're a gifted person. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, just simmer down, realize the gifts are not about you, and don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. He says, uh, you're not the Messiah. There's only one Messiah, and you're not it. And he says, however, we are part of a church body, he says, that is to work together and this is what he says, just as our bodies have many parts like arms and legs, etc., and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. We work together to make Christ known to all. This is the thing. He's talking to a church. He's talking to Christians. Again, if you're a Christian, this message is for you. If you're not a Christian, this is a message that will help you to understand how important the body of Christ and our unity is with each other and how we work together. We have been designed and crafted to tell the world. Together, we have a function. We are a body. We are members of one body. This is what it says. It goes on to say, verse 6, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If, you're, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And if God has given you leadership, or the word there is administration, or some translations will say the, the gift of ministry, basically it means administration or leadership. He says, if you've been given leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness, trans, some translations will say mercy. If you have the gift of mercy, we're going to explain that in a minute, to others, he says, then do it gladly. All right? Now listen. Let's take a look at this list. It's not an exhaustive list. This is kind of a name to name a few lists. This is seven gifts, all right? And every person who is a Christian, every follower of Christ has been given at least one of these gifts, maybe even more than one. But you have a highlight of one or two. Um, I want, it's important that we don't define these words based on Webster's Dictionary. We can't define them based on what we know about these words. We must define them by what the Bible says the meaning of these words are. That's where a lot of confusion, by the way, in the Bible comes from. Because people will attempt to define the Bible with a dictionary. You can't do that. You, because the word in English is not necessarily the same meaning. And that's why we have different translations because they improve on the translation uh, to, to improve on the defining uh, idea of that word. So let's do something. Bear with me as we take a look at the root meaning of these seven spiritual gifts. The first one is prophecy. Now, when you hear the word prophecy, you immediately think of like, thus says the Lord. And you begin to, the Lord God says. Often when we think of this 
spiritual gift, we think of like Old Testament prophets, but it's not exactly what it means. In fact, you might even put this in parentheses. Uh, A better translation would be perceiver. And this is what it literally means. It means to boldly make clear God's word. Now, under each one of these spiritual gifts, I have in your notes additional verses. And those verses are there to show places where that gift is at work in a person's life. All right? So you can follow up on your own, read those verses on your own, check them out. Uh, These are examples where those gifts are active in the New Testament. Now, what this means is it means someone is bold with God's word that they confront evil. They have a strong sense of right and wrong. And this is not so much about a foretelling, but rather a forth telling, a strong proclamation of the truth. This is the person who is motivated by truth, motivated by authenticity, justice, a righteous anger, an intense desire for holiness, and they're great at casting vision, and they love to see change because they're all about moving forward. Now, that sounds like a great personality trait. However, this person sometimes is the person who tends to offend others very, very quickly. You ever known someone like this who just bulldozes through meetings, who bulldozes through with their ideas, who's just, you know, always right? and you're always wrong, this person who never takes no for an answer, this is the person who who has an opinion and is quick to give it all the time, regardless of who it might hurt or who it might offend, that is a personality trait, that is a spiritual gift that is, is expressed in our personality. By the way, all of these spiritual gifts pour out into our personalities. These are not personality gifts. These are spiritual gifts that pour out into our personality. So the someone who has the prophecy gift or the sense of of perception and clear, bold proclamation, it pours out in the personality of someone who's very abrasive, harsh, and sometimes intense. Okay. Now, what we're going to do in the live teams this week is we're not only going to look at each of these gifts, but we're going to look at the good characteristics and a lot of the bad characteristics of each one of them. And that's important as we uh, look forward uh, here later on in the message. You'll know why that's important. The second ministry gift or spiritual gift that Paul mentions is the gift of serving. Some translations say the gift of ministry there, but the gift of serving. And what that means, you know what the, this is funny. The word in the original language literally means quotation fingers because it's in quotes to wait tables. It, it literally means to wait and to serve somebody. So it's this sense of serving others. This is a person who's driven to demonstrate love by meeting practical needs. They enjoy projects. They tend to finish everything they start. They identify and meet unmet needs, and they usually do things without asking. This is someone who doesn't wait to do things. They step in and serve and do them because they see that they just need to be done. They're motivated by blessing others practically. They're helpful behind the scenes. They're good at finishing projects. However, these are hardworking people. However, this person is sometimes frustrated by other people's lack of hard work. This is the person who gets frustrated when people are not pulling their fair share. And this person also tends to be a person who gets stressed out easily because they're so serving-oriented. They tend to take on more than they should, and they get overloaded. So there's positive characteristics about these, and there's some negative. There's, we're going to unpack those in the small groups and talk. We're going to find out what your spiritual uh, a gift is, and then you get to find out areas of your life of improvement and things that you're easily... Right now, you're thinking, that's not me. (laughs) But you might hear one that go, that's me. All right, here's the third one. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, uh, teaching. And that means to teach or to expound or admonish in the scriptures. It's a, this person is passionate about discovering the truth. This is a person who's a constant researcher. This is a person who loves to read and they are, they're big into doctrine. Uh, they're also good at communicating info in relevant ways. Um, this is the person who just, you know, will nitpick every little word and nuance and, you know, uh, I have a natural teaching gift, and, and you can kind of see how kind of 
picks apart, and I try really hard to communicate those in very relevant ways. Um, This is a person who's motivated by understanding and wanting right thinking. This person loves knowledge, loves reading, loves wisdom, and the accuracy of information. One of the things that used to drive my wife crazy when we were married, she's kind of gotten used to it when we were early married. We are still married. Um, <laughs> is that she would tell me something, and my, my words were, where'd you hear that? Where'd you get that information? You know, I still do it, but she's kind of got over it now because she's actually someone who's testing a lot of her information. She'll send me something. I go, no, and I'll do some research, and I'll send it back. If you post something on Facebook that I think is like, and in, in, we're in good relationship or I think you can handle it or I don't care what you think about me, then I'm going to <laughs> post something that says, nah, here's the real information. Here's the real truth. I did that today with this, uh, this past week with somebody who, who, who posted something. And then I posted something and he says, well, that's wrong. You can't trust that site. So I posted like five more, you know, information sites and locations. I'm like, fine, you don't want that one. How about these others? Because you're wrong. Uh, This is a poor information. I want accurate information to be shared. Um, This is a person, however, that can sometimes become legalistic and can be arrogant and someone who uh, is sometimes just made in the presence of others, just they're very irritated with this person. They're intimidated by this person. So that's the teaching person. Uh, the fourth one is encouragement. This is someone who, whose who's primary gift, that word encouragement, means to comfort and build up or to console. Uh, this person wants others to grow in spiritual maturity. Uh, this person's always positive. This person's a natural counselor. They're great at stimulating faith. They're comforting. They're encouraging others in times of crisis. This person is motivated by peace and harmony. They love healthy relationships, and they bring a sense of strong unity to families and to a church. Uh, But this person, their downside, this person can sometimes be overly confident and give pat answers to complex issues and sometimes we'll even take the Bible out of context because it has an application that they want to drive home. This is, a, the, this is the person you want to be around all the time. But this is also the person that irritates you because they're happy all the time. You ever known that person? It's like, do you ever get sad? Do you ever feel bad? You know, do you ever have a bad day? <laughs> praise the Lord, brother. I was like, you ever known a praise the Lord, brother guy? I've known a few. Every other word, praise the Lord, brother, praise the Lord. I'm like, I praise him, but man, you need to turn it down like a lot. You're like on 12 and you need to be like on three. That'd be good because he's like always on. Now the encouragers, we need those people, but this is the gift of encouragement. Again, gift five is the gift of generosity. Uh, this is the person who, this word means, you ready? Deep meaning. It means to give. <laughs> it means to freely share or to impart. This is the person who, when they see or hear a need, they're quick to use their own resources for God's glory. They're wise with their money. They're cheerful, and they're a good, faithful, consistent giver. They're quick to meet physical needs, quick to share and contribute. They're, motiv- uh, they're motivated by creative uses of resources. They see opportunities as a place and an opportunity to give. They're great at generating funds. They're good with money. This is the person that sees giving sometimes, however, as a way of getting out of doing. This is the person that sometimes will give and say, well, my part's done. This is also sometimes a person who's perceived as materialistic because they tend to be always talking about money and how it relates to a project or to, or to a church. And so this person is often looked at as kind of a money person when this is a spiritual gift given. All right, we're going to talk about that uh, here in a minute. Um, and then number six is the gift of administration or leading. Um, now, what this means, it means someone who is The word administration there in the original means to take charge or to rule. It means to take responsibility. There are people that take responsibility very well. They're natural leaders, right? And there's some people that are like, just don't ask me to lead this group. Just don't ask me 
to be in charge because it will fall apart, right? Tell me what to do and I'm there, but don't put me in charge. The, the administrator or the leader says, count me in, let me head the group. Let me lead. Let me be the one who takes responsibility. This person is good at solving prom- uh, problems. They accomplish tax- tasks. They're great at organizing people and organizing resources. They're good leadership. This person is good with authority and is good at working with and under authority. They're motivated by practical structure and systems. They define the rules. They bring order to chaos. But this person, the downsides, this person can sometimes not be very flexible. It's because they are a rule follower and a timetable maker. They're not the kind of person that does well with flexibility. And so they have a laser point focus. And because of that, they often can offend people. So sometimes the the administrator is someone who's like, this is the way it is. It's got to be this way. Deal with it. And so that can bother people. Here's another gift that Paul mentions. He says, and the last one is the gift of mercy or the gift of kindness. And basically what that is, it means compassionate. There is a type of person, the word means to have pity. It means to connect with another person's hurt. This is the person who's sensitive to the emotional needs of others. They have great concern whenever they hear of trials and problems. They have wonderful empathy. See, you know what the difference between Sympathy and empathy is. Sympathy says, that's sad for you. Empathy says, I feel for you. Empathy has a way of connecting their pain with your life. And so you're, mo- you're motivated by compassion. This person is motivated by grace, compassion, kindness. They're great at accepting people. However, the downside is this, this person can sometimes give too much mercy and allow sinful actions. And this is also because it's a person who's very feelings oriented. They tend to get their feelings hurt often. So you have this person who is a vital part of the body of Christ, but you can see there's a weakness. Now, again, this week, the life teams are going to discuss the strengths and weaknesses of each of these. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want you, if you have a smartphone, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a website you can go to right now if you want to. It's on your phone. Um, I'll give it to you again later. Don't go to the slide. I'll give it to you later. But if you want to go to your phone, it's called gifttest.org. You can take that test right now, and it will take about maybe two, three minutes. If you can listen while you're taking the test, I mean, I'm going to look up, and everybody's like, all right, I just kind of. Blah, blah, blah for three minutes. No, actually, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep teaching. I want you to stay engaged. But take that quick test, and you'll be able to identify in a very simple way uh, what your gift is, all right? Gifttest.org, all right? Now, I want you to realize that because there are strengths, there are natural leanings for these spiritual gifts, there are also challenges in these gifts. And you're going to find that these types of people, that their weaknesses and their strong characteristics can even be the places of temptation and sin in these people's lives. Now, a good leader, something that that I strive to be is I I strive to be equal in as many of these as possible. I've got high marks on on a lot of these when I take my tests, and that has developed over time. This is not in any way an excuse not to be generous or not to be an encouraging person or not to be a server. This is not what these spiritual gifts are about. They're not about you excluding yourself from another area because, well, that's just not how I'm made. No, these are about areas where you're naturally spiritually gifted in and you should excel in and then work. You know, we're in the areas where you need to work in. Okay. As we mature, these gifts become more and more evident in, in our life, all of these gifts become more and more relevant. Now, example, a person in our church is sick. I want you to see how this works in our church because all of these are important for a healthy church. Every one of these, you are needed. Remember, if you're a Christian, you have been given a spiritual gift. You're one of these. 
and you're motivated, you're natural leaning towards the spirit has given you a gift that naturally enables you to excel in certain areas of your life naturally. And you're an important part of the body of Christ. Remember, Paul started off by saying we're all members of of one body. You know, we're all parts to the body of Christ if you are a Christian. And every part is important. He says this. He says uh, that we're all valuable. Now, imagine this. If someone is sick, this is how the gifts operate. For example, if someone is sick, the server would say, well, here's a gift. I got your mail. I mowed your lawn. I fed your dog and I watered your plants. What can I do for you to make life easier for you while you're sick? That's a server. And a server might even do it without even asking, oh, I already mowed your lawn. I already picked up your mail. I got this for you. I got picked up some magazines down. That's a server, okay? The teacher says, I did some research on your illness. This might be some help to you, okay? The person's ready to serve or ready, inclined and to, to research their ailment or their issue. The mercy person says, I can't begin to tell you how I felt when I heard. How are you, right? That's the person who, who just, man, when you're hurting, that person is like who, you, who really brings comfort. You know, you're glad the server's out there because you don't have to worry about that stuff, but you love that mercy person holding your hand in times of crisis. The giver says, uh, does your insurance cover everything? Do you need some assistance? That's how the giver operates. I want to make sure that your needs are covered during this time. And then you have the organizer. That organizer says, don't worry. We got you covered at work. I filled in all your days. We're planning some meals for you so you don't have to worry about eating. And I've organized the whole thing. The administrator's not making all the meals, but they have made sure meals are being made by the people who want to serve, the servers, right? So there's a, a gift at work there. And then the exhorter comes in and says, you know, Let's talk about this. Man, I just want to encourage you. You're going to get through this. You're going to make it. How can you use what you're going through to help others? You know, just, you know, be positive, be encouraged. God is with you. He's good. You're going to be out of here before you know it, right? That's the exhorter, the encourager. And then there's the prophet. The prophet comes in and says, what do you think God is trying to tell you through this? Is there any sin in your life? <laughs> no. How's your walk with God? during all of this? Are you struggling because you're hurting? Because you know, a lot of times in crisis, people fall away from God. They become distant from God. So the prophet needs to come in and say, hey, you know what? Life is terrible. Life is rough, but God is good. It's time to be faithful to him, even in the middle of crisis. That's what a prophet would say. So you have all of these at work together. Can you see how each complete the larger picture of the body of Christ? Thinking, uh, that, the, you know, ne- neither one of these are better than the other. Can you think, minus all of the negative attributes, who fulfills all of these attributes perfectly? Jesus. Jesus is the model for the spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit, which has been gifted to us. This dunamis power has been gifted to us by Jesus. Guys, listen. Can you imagine church where we only have part of the gifts at work? Can you imagine if the church was nothing but prophets? Get your life together. Get your No, you get your life together. Don't you tell me you get your life together. Right? They're just shouting at each other all the time. And if if church is nothing but teachers, well, that's not how I understand it. Well, that's not what I read. Well, I read in the Greek, it says this. Well, I read my lexicon, it says, well, there'd be debates all the time. And if if the church was nothing but servers, then uh, nobody would want to be up front because the server likes to take the background. There'd be no leader. We'd get a lot of work done, but there wouldn't be any growth because there'd be no leadership, no vision casting. If the church was nothing but mercy people who are just compassionate, it's like, it's all right, it's all right. We're all good together. Just, you know, it, we, our church would be filled with sin because the mercy tends to allow more things, sinful actions and attitudes and lifestyles than should be allowed because they're compassion, acceptance-oriented. And, and we need compassionate people, but we can't have a church filled. Now, could you imagine a church of just givers? Boy, that'd be great, wouldn't it? 
there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we need more than givers because sometimes givers will give instead of do. So we'd have a lot of money, but nobody to do the work. So we'd have to, you know, train and excel and challenge people to work on their, man, it'd be great if we were all givers. It'd be, we could do so much. Um, of course, if the exhorter was just, you're fine, you're fine, you're good, you're good, you're fine, you're fine, you're good, you know, get it together, get it together. You know, there'd be like no realization of the struggle and trials of life. See, we all work together. You know, the Apostle Paul says this in First Corinthians. He says, First uh, Corinthians 12, 6, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts. Now, the translation there isn't, isn't uh, just that simple. The translation means to the measure of your faith, God has poured out his gifts, all right? Some translations say that, like the New King James is similar to that, uh, the NASV, the ESV. So here's how, that, here's how that works. I want you to write this down. These are uh, a few things I want you to realize about spiritual gifts, and we're going to pray. And I want you to be in small groups this week as you unpack your spiritual gifts. Hey, who took their spiritual gift test? All right, who took it? Quite a few of you. All right, write it down. Gifttest.org in your worship guide is a second website that gives a longer test with a larger analysis of your strengths and weaknesses. Check that out. It's in the worship guide. Be sure to get one of those if you haven't got one. Let's talk about that verse. First thing I want you to know, realize this, is that spiritual gifts are not given on the basis of merit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God pours out into us, he measures out into us, pours into us the measure of his grace accordingly, these spiritual gifts. Now, let me explain this to you. What this basically means, the word measure there, the word in the Greek there in the, in the Bible is the word metron. It's where, it's where we get the, the word measure. And it, there's a sense that the Holy Spirit does this. It says, God, this is a, a tea pitcher. Okay, this is a, from our house. And uh, I'll tell you, so I have, I have, uh, I'm, not, I'm an unsweet tea person because I'm from the north. So any, any sweet tea people? Most of you Texans? All right. Uh, any unsweet tea? Any of you guys from the north? No? Some of you guys are. All right. I'm from the north. Sweet tea, what is that? Is that rot, rot your teeth out drink? All right. So uh, I, I like unsweet tea. So what my wife will do is she'll sometimes make the tea unsweet in our house so at the hopes that I will drink it. Well, a few years ago, she made some unsweet tea, and I had a, a, a sandwich, and there was just a little bit of tea in the pitcher. And I, you know, it might have even been this pitcher because we've had it for a while. Uh, there was about this much, and it had a lid. We have a lid on this. And so I'm like, I saw the tea. I'm like, cool. And I poured me a full, you know, glass of tea to the measure that was in it. I poured it, and, uh, you know, uh, and I drank it, and I was eating my sandwich. I'm like, man, this tea is, like, really bitter. So I um, went to pour in the rest of it. I topped it off, and I took the lid off. And uh, the entire top of the tea uh, was covered in mold. And so uh, I drank two glasses of moldy tea. No wonder it was bitter. And I don't drink it sweet, so I just thought it was like really strong, you know, earthy tea, right? But I, I poured it out to the measure of my faith. <laughs> so here's the idea. Paul is saying this. He says, some of you have been given spiritual gifts, all of you measured out according to your faith, all right? So God has given gifts to you at whatever level. Some of you, it is to the top. Man, you are like overflowing with gifts. And some of you, you, you know, you're not as full yet, but you're growing in your walk with God. So all of us have some tea. We're all filled to a degree, all right? So this is what Paul is saying. We are to pour it out in measure of the grace that has been given to us. Guys, listen, here's the problem. Some of you have, have a full picture of spiritual gifts and you hoard it. You're like, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. I'm able to do that. Oh man, I do. That's me. But then when it comes to the church, you're like, no, I've got things I want to do. I got places I got to go. I don't want to make a commitment to anything because if I make a commitment, then you think I'm going to have to be there. 
and I don't want to have to be there. So you've got a picture full of spiritual gifts that you're hiding and hoarding. And then there are others of you that think, well, I'm only good at one or two things. Your picture's not very full, and you think you're not very valuable. You think you're not very useful. See, this has nothing to do with how full the picture is. It has everything to do with pouring out the picture. So whether you have uh, a few spiritual gifts or one or two spiritual gifts, whatever it is, Paul says, pour it out. If you're full, pour it out. What good is it whether you have a little or a lot? Pour it out according to the measure that's been given to you. It's time for you to realize that that gift is not given on the basis of merit. It's not based upon uh, you deserve it or how good you are. It's based solely on God's grace and who he chooses to use. And it is God in you through the Holy Spirit. And he's asking you to pour out your life, those spiritual gifts in the body of Christ in the church. Okay? Second thing, I want you to write this down. Realize this, that we each have one of these gifts as our primary motivation. We're going to talk about this in the small groups this week. These gifts are our core motivation. It's what makes us light up. They match our calling and area of ministry. Like, for instance, when, when I mention teaching, you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah, I can't. Man, and some of you are like, that is not me. <laughs> like, I had struggle to read a pamphlet. You can't read a pamphlet. You're like, you get like two pages. Oh, I was never a good reader. Teaching's maybe not your gift. All right? And some of you are like, oh, that just breaks my heart. You're talking about things like that. Oh, you're very compassionate. You know, you are, you can already see kind of where you're leaning, that those tests just kind of help you define it. But realize this, you have been given a spiritual gift. And because of that, that's the things that light up your life. Like, for instance, if you have compassion for kids, you'd be great in kid venture. If you've got a great mercy for kids, or if you've got a passion for teaching kids, you know, that's because of the spiritual gifts that are imparted in you. Okay, there's a reason why some of you cannot teach out of a paper bag. I could give you my notes and tell you word for word what to say, and you'd still like, uh, 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 who? You, know, you get up to the front, and it's like, no, you fall apart because that's not your spiritual gift. But for others, you see someone hurt, and you're like, stand back, you know? Oh, wait a minute. If there's a need, I'll do it. I'll do it. I love, I love when somebody posts on our Living Way group, we need help moving. And there's like within minutes, a few people, boom, boom. You know what those are? Those are the servers. They're saying, I'll do it. I see a practical need. Count me in. Okay. Here's another thing. Number three, realize this, that we must know our strengths and weaknesses and grow in uh, that gift. Grow in them. Romans 12 says this, that God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, okay? To do certain things well. Guys, listen, he goes on to say, if it's prophecy, well, speak with as much faith as you have. If it's serving, do it wholeheartedly. If it's teaching, do it excellently. If it's encouragement, then do it greatly. If it's giving, do it generously. If it's leadership, do it serious and take it seriously. If it's kindness, do it compassionately. Guys, listen, there's, you need to define your gift and you need to grow in that area. You need to identify your weaknesses and you need to have accountability in your life to be able to chisel out those negatives out of your life so that you can excel in the positives of your life when it comes to these spiritual gifts. In other words, grow and develop. Grow and develop them, okay? We're going to talk about how you can do that in the small groups this week. I'm really hammering the small groups this week because you need to be in one. The notes for the small groups are actually online as they are every week if you ever want to download them and and get a head start on them. Number four is this. Each gift is necessary for a healthy church. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good in reference to the body of the Christ. Ephesians 4, 14. This is an issue of maturity. If you have a pitcher full of gifts or even a half pitcher or a quarter pitcher of gifts, by the way, if you're a Christian, okay, if you are a Christian, you have gifts, all right? If you are a Christian, you have dunamis, okay? You have dynamite in you, all right? Some of you, you're hoarding it and hiding it or insecure about it. 
all right? But you have it. Guys, listen. Each gift is necessary for the church, and your ability to pour out your gift is maturity, okay? It's a sign of maturity. This is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. He says this, verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be infants like little kids, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. We're going to be solid in what we believe. He says, instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. Will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Talking about we're all members. Jesus is the head of that body. We are the arms and legs uh, of the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, all of us, joined and held together by supporting ligaments, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its work. Guys, listen, some of you are like, man, I wish our church could grow faster. I wish our church would grow. You know, here's the answer. Be a mature follower of Christ. Plug in and use your gift because it says as each person does its work, the result is supporting ligaments. We grow and builds itself up in love when as each part does its work. You know what the missing piece to our church is? It's you. If you are a Christian, you have the dunamis in you. You have been gifted with a spiritual gift, a healthy church with, where its members use their gifts in the body grows, okay? Here's the last thing I want to end with, and we're going to pray with this, is that no one gift is more important than the other. There's no gift more important than the other. Philippians 2.1 says this. It says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, that's some of the spiritual gifts, says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests or to your own gifts or your own abilities, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Though we have different gifts, though we have different abilities, though we have different leanings, we are all to be working together in one spirit. We need each other. Like I said earlier, a church that is filled with nothing but teachers or filled with nothing but prophets or filled with nothing but, uh, you know, mercy-driven people or nothing but servers is a church that's chaotic or unhealthy. But when we can all learn our spiritual gift and we, we as Christians can plug into those gifts in the church, we begin to see fruit outside of the church in our life. And I might add that motivational gifts are not an excuse to be a jerk or to avoid the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? For instance, the Bible says we're all to be givers. But for some of you, it's very natural for you. For those of you that it's not natural, you need to work on that area. Right? Don't ignore it. Work on it. But there's going to be an area that's natural for you and maybe hard for another person. They're going to need to work in that area. Together, we encourage each other Paul says, iron sharpens iron, and we are the body of Christ who is sharp and prepared and ready for anything God calls us to do. Where do you fit? That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. After the Holy Spirit leads you to Christ, he wants you to plug into a church. He wants you to find where you fit, discover your spiritual gift that he has given you, and serve, and watch what he does. So up on the, up on the uh, screen is a website, two websites, or two websites for spiritual gifts. Okay, one of them is uh, gifts.churchgrowth.org, and the other one is gifttest.org. Um, the longer title is a little bit longer test, gives you a little bit more breakdown, and we'll send you an email of the results. The gifttest.org will just show it on screen. You'll have to screen capture it or something. What I want you to do is I want you to do your test and then bring it to your life team, Okay. I'm going to have the band come forward, and we're going to pray. Guys, you've been given the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. You've been given dynamite. You have been given dynamite. It's in your hand, and we've been called to discover it, to develop it, and to determine 
how God would have us to use it. It's time. I'm not going to light it. It's time to light it up. Light it up, 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 light it up. That song was on my mind all week long. We're not going to play it. All right. I came this close to playing it. Uh, Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much. God, if there's a Christian in this room, I know that many of the people are, then they have the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. They have the dynamite of God in them. And the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, that same power, it's inside of these Christians. And they're dynamite. And God, they've been given a stick of dynamite. God, I pray that you would light it up. God, I pray that you'd spark through the Holy Spirit an interest to develop and to use those gifts so that they might pour it out in the body of Christ and, and, and see people come to know Christ because of it. That's why you've been given uh, those gifts, people, because the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. God, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. God, teach us, change us, revive us, and light us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.